0: Hey Sam, can you hear this?
1: Kind of, yes. G-
0: kind of, yeah. That's uh, I'm jumping on the bandwagon when it comes to fidget spinners. Oh, really? And I'm, and I'm going to really need it today, considering the topics that we're going to be discussing. Yeah. Oh man! <laughs> Get ready for a wave of rage from the autistic Simpsons. Can ladies and gentlemen, welcome. To another episode of the Ticket to the Max Movie Podcast. I'm your host as always, the jaundiced-skinned Simpsons... I'll just put away that spinning thing. The jaundiced-skinned Simpsons kin, Max Darrett. And joining me as always, my uh, <laughs> the woman who manages to temper my emotions, especially when it comes to these geeky, geeky topics, <laughs> pun master, yada, yada, yada. She is Sam. Sam. D- tell me something good before we jump into all this mess. I something, did you have a good day today?
1: had a good day. My bosses came back, and they didn't give me any extra work to do than what I already had. So I consider that Ooh, a win.
0: <sighs> oh, I, I can empathize with, with you <laughs> in respect to that. Uh, yeah, well, th- that's that's good, I suppose. Yeah, the highlight of the has...
1: podcast. Right there. Yes, it's, it's
0: the hi- well, you know what? We, we do have, uh, obviously, there's... <laughs> You don't even have to look at the title to know about the stuff that we're going to be talking about today. There's a whole lot of stuff that dropped. <laughs> oh, and, can I? You know, oh, can I
1: quickly bring us up just just one one really quick time? Yeah, yeah. Um, drive, baby, which is the Edgar Wright film that we've all been anticipating, hits theaters this week. So Did, wait,
0: hold on. Did you just say Drive, baby? Yeah. It's Baby Driver.
1: Whoops. <laughs> what is drive baby maybe it's the sequel maybe it's his maybe kid maybe it's the his kid. <laughs> drive baby yeah that works <laughs> sorry yeah, baby driver it, baby. my dyslexia yeah. has come out in full force today hits theaters this weekend and also if you are any fan of jackie chan you should check out the trailer of the foreigner that's all we have time to talk about it today but you should just watch it and get hyped
0: yeah, Oh, thank you for bringing that up, because yes, I am actually going to go see Baby Driver tomorrow. Yep. There's a Wednesday screening at uh, where I live, mm-hmm. and I'm going to go see it at 7 o'clock, and I'm hella excited. All the reviews for it have been fantastic, and I, I'm not totally surprised, because of course, it's Edgar Wright. Yeah. I don't think the man has ever put out anything that I dislike. Yeah. Meditate on that for two more seconds. <sighs> <sighs> okay, let's jump into this bullshit. So... Uh, typical thing that we'd normally talk about on this podcast usually has stuff to either do with comic book movies, Star Wars movies, genre movies, that sort of stuff, mm-hmm. the, the, the types of movies that are most popular in the public consciousness right now. Well, Ugh. let's jump into uh, this one particular story that everybody who's anybody has been talking about this for the past week regarding this new Star Wars film that's coming out next year. Mm-hmm. Ugh supposedly in May yeah, of we'll 2018. See. We'll see. I'm, of course, talking about the upcoming spin-off film within the Star Wars universe, focusing on the very popular character of Han Solo. Some people have been excited about this, like me. Other people have, have not been that excited, uh, for some understandable reasons. You know, some people like to maintain the mystery of the character, but whatever, I'm always just up for a good story, and Han Solo, I believe, is a rich enough character where we can get a good movie out of him. <laughs> well, I opened up my social media a few days ago <laughs> and i saw that the directors that had originally been hired on for this movie Phil Lord and Chris Miller who are of course famous for such works like Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs mm. the fantastic lego movie yeah. and the 21 jump street movies so good were fired what by Lucasfilm, by the head haunch over at Lucasfilm, Kathleen Kennedy. Mm. And the reason, well, the reason that's sort of alluded to, we, we don't really have very concrete uh, f- from the horse's mouth details to share with you guys. And obviously, you know, you want to do that because you want to maintain your professionalism. Mm-hmm. But it seems that the ethic of the directors for this film was that they were trying to take the character of Han Solo and the script that was written by Lawrence Kasdan and turn it into more of a comedy that was very heavily based on improvisational content rather than sticking to the script that Lawrence Kasdan wrote. Hmm. And ever since January, apparently, there have been people on the production, especially the lead uh, actor, the guy who's playing Han Solo, Alden Ehrenreich, have been expressing their concerns to the higher-ups regarding the way that the directors have been approaching this movie. But they decided to just hold off on it. Hopefully things would be able to be mended in the editing room once principal photography was done. Mm. However, three three weeks before principal photography was supposed to finish on this movie, Kathleen Kennedy fired the directors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So before I get into this <laughs> BS, Sam, I'd love to hear what your initial response was to this. And I please don't tell me it was just, oh, I can't wait to hear max yell about this later on this week
1: (laughs) i mean it was that um but also i i didn't know too much about this of course like i I do most of these things until i researched it looked a bit deeper um to put it into a bit more perspective uh max said yeah it was before it was three and a half more weeks of shooting they had left with five weeks of reshoots which as we know is very standard for large films like this but they had previously they'd been Involved in the production for two Years and they'd already shot Four and a half months So that's quite a bit of Quite a chunk of time to dedicate to, to One project before you're Fired for creative differences that Maybe should have been and it seems were Noticed in the pre-production Stage of the filmmaking And then also just, I mean, to put this a little bit into sort of how Hollywood works, um, it's kind of unprecedented that directors are fired, you know, this late in the game.
0: It's not totally uncommon, but it's very rare. It's very
1: rare, and so it's it's posed a lot of questions for the directors' uh, guild and how they're going to handle it, especially in regards to crediting. Because, as Max said, Mm. we don't have too too many details. We're not sure if they're officially leaving the project, which would mean that their name would just not be on it at all, or if they're just stepping down, which means they they should be credited in some way. Like you know, the common you know, the good thing to do would be to give them some sort of nod. um, and whether or not that's in the head credit director's chair or not or in, it just seems it's a little over the place and then as far as you know how uh, they get residuals the back end profit and then of course the film premiere are they allowed to go to the film premiere will they get tickets there's a lot of things that this is raising I am also very excited about the person that they have replacing them but unfortunately I mean it's unfortunate that he had to step in when he did but I'm glad that it's him that's stepping in I guess Max wants to talk about it that
0: yeah, of course. Uh, the w- person that she's referencing is uh, a Academy, multi Academy Award nominee director Ron Howard, who mm-hmm. is famous for such works as Apollo thirteen, A Beautiful Mind, Splash, wonderful, wonderful films. He hasn't really put out that many films in recent memory that have been very good. Mm-hmm. Although you know, Rush was pretty damn good, mm-hmm. but it's no disputing that this man is and a world-class talent. And I believe that bringing him on, considering his past relationship with Lucasfilm and the great working relationship he's had with George Lucas and Kathleen Kennedy, that he is the right choice to bring on. I think he's a good
1: mediator for the turmoil that they've been experiencing on set and offset.
0: Yeah, but make no mistake, even though they are bringing him on, I I do believe that this is... I I don't want to insult the man by saying this, but it really does seem like they're doing this just to cover the fact that they're going to be directing this film by committee Mm. I believe that uh, I was about to say Catherine Kathleen Kennedy is going to be directing everything from here on out to try and make that May release date because it seems like they're still trying to hit that although I I I put money that they're probably going to move this to December
1: if they're Um, smart they'll move it
0: yeah, and I I really think that Lawrence Kasdan, because he seems to be the one that was raising equal or more outrage in respect to Phil Lord and Chris Miller's approach to this, mm-hmm. to Kathleen Kennedy, uh, he's going to be the one that's going to be the leading creative force behind all this.
1: Which I mean, but yeah. it's so it's I, I have such a, I mean, his whole thing, which I think you may have mentioned it. Maybe I've just read it so many times. I think you mentioned it. Um, his whole thing is essentially what is written on the page has to be shown on the screen. Mm -hmm. Which is a very classic way of making a film. I'm sure there are definitely filmmakers that still do it that way. But to have absolutely no, you know, leniency for a little bit of improv. Yes, um, there's a statement that's come out from a source close to Kazdan that said that Han Solo isn't a comedic character. He's a sarcastic, um, dry character. Like the way that Lord and Miller were portraying him wasn't exactly accurate to what other people. I guess Kathleen or Catherine. No, it's Kathleen. Damn it, now you have me questioning it. Um, how, how she and, and the rest of the crew sort of perceived him. And it just is so unfortunate because I think that although, yes, Kazden did have his hand in The Force Awakens, he hasn't really made a film of note since the original Star Wars films and Raiders of the Lost Ark. So yeah. I'm a little concerned that his more traditional way, which is the nicest way of saying it, um of making films is maybe a bit dated and unfortunately maybe won't bring out the best of the character for today's audiences
0: yeah I, I i tend to agree that i really think that kazdan really has the best handle on the character and from everything that i've been hearing about this han solo movie leading up to this point is that the script that he has for this movie is apparently one of the best that lucasfilm has ever seen ever since you know they were first established in the mid-70s so i would want to see them stick to that original vision however this sort of brings us back to the very beginning of this whole topic of conversation Um, and it's really the focus that a lot of people are making in respect to this whole kerfuffle which is who is to blame with all this because look like you said sam you have to know these things right before you sp- start, especially with a property that is as globally beloved
1: mm-hmm. as
0: Star Wars. You got to know that there's going to be these types of creative tensions earlier on. So, And especially first, taking
1: into account that everyone knows the style of Lord and Miller and then everyone knows Kazdan's yeah. style.
0: Absolutely. And so for that reason, I originally wanted to jump to the conclusion that this is Kathleen Kennedy's fault, which I didn't want to do because Kathleen Kennedy is such a brilliant, brilliant lady. I mean, if you look at her history and the the stuff that she's been involved in and the the miracles that she's been able to accomplish in the movie making industry, Mm. but just this seems so amateur. But then I, I sort of stepped back and I said, well, even if there were these things... Um, Okay, even if she, how could I put this, even if she was aware, or she wasn't aware, this sort of thing, if they were having these creative differences while making the film, she would sort of need to keep them on a short leash. She would have to make that known very well beforehand, Mm -hmm. that they can't keep doing what they're doing. Right. Right. But. The, with that in mind also, I, I'm sure that she had done that, but maybe she wasn't as forceful with it. But when she would have made these recommendations, Phil Lord and Chris Miller should have done what they were told. Right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But but then again, it's like, well, if they're going to do what they're told, well, those uh, clashing creative visions ultimately result in a really poor end result, Yeah. right? So it's like, do we just let them continue with the movie, even if it's a more comedic take? If we still get a good movie, does it really matter? After all, you know, if Star Wars is going to continue on and become so popular that we get like two movies a year, like we <laughs> get with Marvel, we're going to have to have a bunch of different movies with a bunch of different uh, takes on different genres. Like, it's not just Star Wars, but it's like Star Wars... Plus, I don't know, like a horror movie or Star Wars, plus, I don't know, a heist movie or a thriller. Like if they were to do a movie about the bounty hunters, with Han Solo, even if it was more comedic, I, I always thought that you know, with the comedic sensibilities that Phil Lord and Chris Miller had, it, it would sort of fit well with the character of Han Solo, at least the way that I perceived it. But
1: yeah, no, I, I doesn't seem to be the case. I definitely agree, and I mean, also it's it's worth remembering that this is kind of a Han Solo origin film. It's he's not meant to be the grizzled older man who flies the Millennium Falcon that we meet in the original Star Wars trilogy. He's meant to be a young man who's kind of starting out, like he's just sort of figuring out things and maybe through the film and through like his later experiences that lead into the original trilogy he becomes the more sarcastic kind of gruff off-putting character and maybe he started as a more comedic character we don't know um there's that entire area to play with which i think lord and miller would have done a fantastic job with and i think that it may just be me putting up my young fists against the older generation, but I think that it would have been an interesting take on the character, and I think that the sarcastic and sort of the sensibilities that uh, Kazdan had for Solo and Lord and Miller could have meshed well together if they would sort of taken that approach to it as a sort of lighter character being exposed to traumatic or dramatic things that led him Mm -hmm. into being this more reserved, like, uses sarcasm as a defense mechanism character. Okay. Now,
0: before we move on to the next topic, Sam, I I know we spent a lot of time on this, but it is pretty uh, important. Mm -hmm. Um, I just want to pitch you this question. Um, Given the fact that, you know, things have worked out the way that they have, where they brought on Ron Howard, mm-hmm. and they're essentially going to try and redo the movie with the footage that they have, reshoot a whole bunch of stuff, and have production go well into September from the way that I understand it. Do you think that this is the... I, like, obviously, we're not studio executives, but yeah. just as a, as a fan and everything that we know, do you think this is the right choice, or do you think they should have kept Phil Lord and Chris Miller and just gone on with their original vision?
1: No, I think that this... I think i think it's a late in the game choice but i think it's not a wrong choice i mean time will tell if it's the right choice but ron howard's career precedes him he's definitely i mean for him himself this can not this can't hurt him because if he does if it ends up being a horrible film then people can say well he only had five months to fix it or if it's a fantastic film they can say he saved the day so i think that he's a solid choice I think that probably what they already have, they can shape into something that's good. So far, we haven't been disappointed by this new, new reboot of the Star Wars franchise. Yeah. And, yeah, like... Well, we
0: haven't. Yeah, yeah, we
1: haven't, yeah. And like you say, I mean, I trust... Uh, Kathleen Kennedy, she's she's done well so far. I don't necessarily agree with the choices Lucasfilm has made on this film, but hopefully it turns out. I think that it's probably the the best option given the circumstances.
0: Yeah, even though I don't want to admit it, I really love to see. Uh, Lord and Miller's take on a Han Solo movie, this does seem to be the appropriate approach, especially given the fact that the Star Wars franchise, as we understand it now, being under Disney, and they're trying to set up a a, sort of a modern, continuous franchise where they put out films every single year, they want to make sure that the films that are being put out will sort of establish a, a tone that we can appreciate going forward. And if we do have stuff that is all over the place and isn't really... Attacking the lore, or sorry, not attacking, but tackling the lore mm. uh, that, as we understand it, and being able to uphold the uh, the feel of Star Wars, the way that we've come to love it for the past forty years, this it seems like the right decision. It's just you know, unfortunately, they're going to lose a lot of money. But if it's for a greater, longer term cause, then I I trust that Kathleen Kennedy knows what she's doing. It's just it's a shame that it had to come to this point. Mm. Okay, well, moving from one piece of bad news into a piece of, well, I don't know if it's even worse news, but it just (laughs) pisses me off even more. By the way, just before we move on, I just want to say, if you guys happen to hear Finding My Way by Rush playing in the background, that's because my neighbors are having a barbecue and they're blasting their music really loud.
1: Ah, snap, I want barbecue. Yeah, Everyone's having barbecue. I haven't had barbecue (laughs) at all this summer.
0: Yeah, I, neither have I. I, I want to go over and say, "Hey, this is my." I'm going to steal a burger and be like, "This is my recompense for you guys being a bunch of obnoxious idiots, <laughs> idiots while I'm trying to record." But, anyways, yeah. So, Oh this. Oh God, I. Whew, if I go into an angry rant again, I apologize. It's going <laughs> to. I don't. I don't want to. Hold on. Let me just get my fidget spinner. Yep. Whew. Do a couple okay, spins. So, calm me down. So, literally last week. Sam and I did a show, uh, and the the topic right off the top that we talked about was the character of Venom, obviously, from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Very popular villain when it comes to the character of Spider-Man. Obviously, like people nowadays sort of associate Venom with Spider Man the same way that we might associate the Joker with the Batman. Some people might argue Green Goblin, but whatever, it's it's subjective. And what we talked about were these comments that were made recently regarding a Venom movie by a producer, Amy Pascal. A lot of people were wondering okay, because of the right situation um, regarding the character Spider Man and how they don't necessarily belong to Marvel Studios, but they belong to Sony, and, you know, use of that character. Uh, Causes some legal troubles. The character of Venom was a very peculiar circumstance. Mm. And a lot of people were wondering okay, they're doing this movie, and Sony is the one that's sort of heading it creatively. Well, it seems like they are. Is it going to be part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe that we've come to appreciate, you know, with films like The Avengers? Uh, the Captain America films, the Iron Man films, all that sort of stuff. And it appeared that you know with an interview that was released, I believe it was under uh, Tom Holland Updates, I believe that's the name of the Twitter handle that we reported it from, Mm -hmm. that showed Amy Pascal saying apparently that the Venom movie and another movie that's going to be produced by Sony uh, with the characters that they own called Silver and Black, obviously based off of the characters of Silver Sable and Black Cat, that and Venom Would be a part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mm. I mean, it seemed pretty clear. That's what she said in the interview.
1: Well, she said like (sighs) she said in the same world as she didn't. I wouldn't. I would never have expected them to appear on screen together. That was my understanding. Oh god! (laughs) No,
0: I'm I'm glad that you know you you're not one to jump to conclusions. I mean. (laughs) And, you know, when it comes to major Hollywood executives, especially with properties as popular as this, they'd be a little bit more careful when it comes to the words that they choose to use. Mm -hmm. But apparently, it seems like she misspoke. Now, well... Based on reports I've gotten from people all over the internet, various different movie pundits, whether you're talking about Eric Davis from Fandango, who's the head editor over there, or um, Steve Weintraub over at Collider.com, they basically took it upon themselves, especially with the press junket that was happening with Spider-Man Homecoming this past week, to ask... A lot of the main players behind the film, hey, what the hell's going on with Venom and Silver uh, Silver and Black? Are they going to be part of the MCU? And pretty much universally, they were saying no. Mm-hmm. And then finally, Amy Pascal, speaking to comicbook.com, uh, released a statement clarifying her statements, so and I'll quote her verbatim. Here's what we're doing. All these characters are a part of the Marvel comic book universe. In that universe, they are all related to each other. Kevin Feige, and Kevin Feige, obviously, our lord and savior, head (laughs) honcho over at Marvel Studios. Mm -hmm. Kevin Feige makes characters in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. These characters are separate, except for Spidey, who belongs in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which is why he's there. End quote. (laughs) So, this, I don't... Saying that she confused her comments by saying, oh, yeah, well, you know, Venom and uh, Spider-Man are in the Marvel comic book universe, as if that's, you know, something that we didn't already know. It's like saying, oh, well, you know, Luke Skywalker is going to be in the same universe as Darth Vader. You know, it's like no fucking shit. We know that Mm -hmm. already. So why are you why? It, It almost seems like she's completely incompetent when it comes to the Marvel uh, characters, comic book characters in general, which just blows my mind because, look, Amy Pascal is not an idiot. She's a very, very, very smart lady. Look, I ha- I, I wanted to close my book uh, where I write all my notes in dramatic fashion mm-hmm. just to show how pissed off I am about this, mm-hmm. but hold on, let me open it again. And I wrote down a bunch of different movies that Amy Pascal has had her hand in producing. So, <laughs> she's produced most of the Spider-Man movies. She produced... Uh, She produced three of the Daniel Craig uh, 007 movies, not including Spectre. Hmm. She produced American Hustle, Captain Phillips, Moneyball, The Social Network, Zero Dark Thirty, Groundhog Day, Little Women. All these movies are fantastic. Yet it just seems like when we're talking to her about this, she's like, oh, you comic book nerds. You guys are so pathetic. I just... (laughs) And look, you know what really pisses me off? Apparently, you know, the care, um... You know, Donald Glover, he's going to be in the (laughs) Spider-Man Homecoming movie Mm -hmm. that's going to be coming out on, uh, next. is it next week? Yeah, next week. And apparently, a lot of people were wondering what character he was going to be playing in this movie. Well, apparently, he's going to be the uncle of another famous Spider-Man character. Well, actually, Spider-Man, not Peter Parker, but the character of Miles Morales, who sort of becomes Spider-Man in the comics after Peter Parker dies or something like that. Mm -hmm. So... For some reason, explain this to me, Sam. (laughs) They're able to make Miles Morales a potential viable character within the Marvel Cinematic Universe, yet for some fucked up reason, they can't get Venom. Explain that to me.
1: I would think... I'm going to do my best, but uh, by no means do I know the answer. I would think that since Miles Morales is Spider-Man like the superhero Spider-Man wears the outfit, has the eyes and the web slinging in some capacity, that that falls under the Spider-Man character story, regardless of who wears the mask.
0: Okay, okay, let me... Sorry. That would be my
1: interpretation.
0: Right, let me stop you there. What does Venom do?
1: He is technically a bad guy to Spider-Man, but his mask is not Spider-Man's mask. He doesn't look like Spider-Man. He doesn't have the same... Oh come on! <laughs> yeah, he does. I'm, I'm, he
0: does. The, he has the black suit. He has the fucking white insignia of the spider across his chest. He does the web slinging. He just has a really big Gene Simmons tongue. It's the exact same thing.
1: It's. I don't. I. I don't think he has different arcs and stuff. I mean, it's. I'm. I'm. I don't know. I'm doing my best. I'm not. I know. I know. I'm not know, them. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but that Sorry. But that's my get... understanding is that Spider Man is the good guy, quote unquote. He wears the red and blue suit with the web slinging. Venom is like the black and white suit he's got a crazy face he comes from a symbiote thing spider-man came from being bitten by a radioactive spider they've got similar but (laughs) connected origins but not the same i don't know this that's my understanding yeah
0: no they probably also uh, it's
1: marvel saying we want miles morales because he's going to bring in so much money So that's probably what that that's them nodding at it. So the fans get in an uproar demanding Miles Morales be in the MCU. And then they get him in the MCU.
0: Yeah. Okay. Like, Sam, like, you you do understand this. You you clearly do. Uh, (laughs) Even if you think you don't understand it, you do understand it. You said it pretty much cohesively. But the thing is, there, there are starving kids in Africa who know who Venom is. (laughs) <laughs> he's like, oh, he's Spider-Man's villain. They, you ask him who Miles Morales is, nobody, aside from the people that read the comics, knows who Miles Morales is. He's a great character, don't get me wrong. And I'm really glad that he's going to be a part of the MCU. Mm-hmm. But you're not going to include Venom? That's a, it's a, it's a storyline that people who have been fans of Spider-Man have been wanting to see for the past 30 years. Mm-hmm. I don't understand why you can't come to some sort of consensus and get that property off of Amy Pascal. Because, Amy, the fact is you you don't seem to understand world building whatsoever and how to do that because you tried that with Amazing Spider-Man 2 and it completely flopped, and now you just seem to, you know, just because you got Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, backing you financially, it's like, oh, okay, let's go back to what we were doing before and, uh, you know, pursue trying to make uh, movies out of these secondary characters which function as secondary characters. Yeah, let's try to make them the lead characters. Yeah, because, you know, let's do a movie about Silver, Sable, and Black Get the fuck out of here. Nobody wants to see that movie, okay? (laughs) Black Cat might be a great secondary character, right? Mm -hmm. But let's call a spade a spade. She is Catwoman in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I remember the last time they tried to make a movie about Catwoman standalone. (laughs) It didn't turn out very fucking good, (sighs) okay? Nobody wants to see this movie. People don't want to see Venom because it's Venom. (sighs) I just, I don't understand how people, that woman like Amy Pascal can be so inept when it comes to these properties. Just look, here's what you do, okay? Spider-Man Homecoming 3, it's not going to be called Homecoming 3, but when it comes out, just do it like Venom, split the profits down the middle. <laughs> I mean, like, look, Kevin, you know, I, I, I kneel at your altar, you are my, this generation's George Lucas, you might lose a couple hundred... Mi- uh, look at me talk. You might lose a couple hundred million dollars, <laughs> but look, it's not going to hurt your bottom line. You're still going to have more money than the queen, god, Allah, and Buddha combined, okay? Yes. Just, just do what's right creatively for these characters, so that way they can be more viable in the future. That way you don't completely, because it's just, it's just so confusing. There's so many different angles that I want to tackle, but I just know I'm just going to end up being completely mm. uh, and a complete clusterfuck <laughs> just talking about this stuff. I
1: mean, it all just comes down to money. Sony doesn't want to give yeah. up the property because Venom can potentially make the money. And they haven't completely, completely given up Spider-Man as far as I understand to Marvel. Just this one iteration of Spider-Man is there. So it's it's all because of property rights and money. Sony wants to keep what little grasp they have on characters in the Marvel Universe. Not necessarily the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And Marvel would, I'm sure, be happy to get them, but they aren't, you know, demanding them because they make enough money with the 12,000 other characters they have. So yeah, that's, just, that's, that's <clears throat> what it is. <laughs> and fans are going to keep getting mad, and companies are going to keep not caring because they make more money when fans are mad.
0: God, I just, I hope to God that Tom Hardy you know like we discussed when he first uh, when it was first announced that he was going to be playing Eddie Brock mm. uh, obviously Eddie Brock is Venom he's been notoriously picky about the types of projects that he involves himself in so i hope to god that there's something about this venom movie that he sees some merit in mm-hmm. otherwise this is going to be a disaster although i'll give like a very small Golf clap. This is me clapping sarcastically (laughs) to the fact that they decided to make Carnage the main villain of the upcoming movie. Mm -hmm. Just kudos to you. That's what you're supposed to do. Yes, Cletus Cassidy. Venom facing off against Carnage. That's what you're supposed to do. So kudos to you. (laughs) That's my that's my one concession to you evil geniuses. (laughs) (sighs) I don't want to talk about this anymore. All right, Um, let's not. Yeah, let's just move on to another piece of unfortunate news. <laughs>
1: it's Quite a it downer. won't always <laughs> Yeah, sweet.
0: it won't always be like this look. Like you said, Sam at the beginning of the show, we do have Baby Driver to look forward to this week. <laughs> Next week we got Spider Man homecoming, right. which apparently from all uh from everything that I've been hearing, is that it's being very well received critically. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that makes my spirits uh, heightened. And then we got War for the Planet of the Apes, which comes out the week after that. And from everything that I've been hearing, people are saying that it's fantastic, a great third entry in the franchise. Mm. So just because today is full of bad news doesn't mean like it's it's going to be like that forever, <laughs> uh, especially with this show. But it's just, it's the most important stuff that we had to talk about this week. And obviously uh, we have to talk about this uh, final piece of news before we sign off. Mm, okay. So one of the greatest actors... I think, in the history of not just Hollywood, but just the acting profession itself is a man by the name of Daniel Day-Lewis. And, you know, when you're talking about his performances in movies like My Left Foot, There Will Be Blood, Lincoln, Last of the Mohicans, every time this guy's been on screen, which is, it's very rare when he does it, but every time he's on screen, he just brings something immaculate and innovative in, in such a way that He always gets nominated for all the top awards, and he almost always wins any time he's ever on screen. Mm -hmm. Well, it seems, unfortunately for us, um, as fans, you know, I I don't know what's going on with him personally. And if there is something terrible that's going on with him personally, obviously my thoughts and prayers go out to him. But just speaking purely as a movie fan, uh, this is a bit unfortunate. It seems that the man is retiring from the profession of acting now according to his spokesperson leslie dart uh that was put out to the press uh this is all that was said i'll just quote him verbatim daniel day lewis will no longer be working with us as an actor that's right working as an actor he is immensely grateful to all of his collaborators and audiences over the many years this is a private decision and neither he nor his representatives will make any further comment on this subject so, it's it's too bad. I mean, just because when you think about all the greatest actors that have ever lived, whether you're talking about Humphrey Bogart or Marlon Brando or Russell, Russell Crowe, in my opinion, Christian Bale, guys like those, there's something about Daniel Day-Lewis and his approach to acting that you, you just find in lesser actors. Well, not lesser, but just... The people that aren't able to capture the, the majesty of the profession and are able to do it as immaculately as he does, mm-hmm. um, Sam. Like, just out of curiosity, in respect to Daniel Day Lewis, have you had much exposure to his uh, performances? Like, would you agree with my assessment of him being like one of the greatest actors ever?
1: Um, I I would just based on reputation alone. I've actually I don't think ever seen a Daniel Day Lewis film. I didn't watch mm. Lincoln, and then before that. The other stuff that came out wasn't really like all of his most most famous stuff was he was done in like the early nineties when I was a yeah. kid. So um yeah, I just I just happen to never actually have seen anything that he's done. But yeah, no, I've I mean he's he's a method actor. I've heard it's quite intense. He puts multiple years into researching a role and lets it sort of grow on him as opposed to kind of forcing the character out which of mm-hmm. obviously pays off as he's been rewarded handsomely for it with several oscars and i think he's i've read that he's just been waiting for the perfect role to go out with on a on a high note and apparently this next one is it
0: yeah uh the next one that he's working on apparently is going to be a movie about i, I believe what fashion in the 1950s um which sounds kind of odd but you in know London, when it, it's yeah. him and when it's him and director Paul Thomas Anderson, uh, I have all faith in the world that they'll put out something quite amazing. Especially with, uh, I believe the last film that they worked on, which was "There Will Be Blood," and God, Daniel Day Lewis's performance in "There Will Be Blood" as Daniel Plainview is one of the most haunting things I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. It's it's almost perfect in a way. Uh, yeah, just like you said, also about method acting, you know, sometimes when you try to explain method acting and the toll that it takes upon your psyche to the average person, he's like, oh, God, that just sounds so pretentious, typical <laughs> Hollywood. Well, see, the thing is, in respect to Daniel Day-Lewis, I give him a pass because he is probably the pickiest. You know, I was talking about Tom Hardy being picky about the movies he involves himself in. No, Daniel Day-Lewis, the guy is a shoe cobbler at as his primary profession and then he does acting in his off time
1: yeah and he does woodworking as you a know. hobby
0: <laughs> yeah so when he's doing method acting he's trying to involve himself in the character and he you know he gets people to refer to him as the name of the character and you know when he was in my left foot he had people feed him because he was trying to uh be inside the body of somebody who has cerebral palsy
1: yeah
0: he he's not doing it for attention he's not trying to do it uh, to be pretentious. He's actually trying to respect the art and the craft of acting? And you know, compared to all other people that are famous for the method acting, whether you're talking about Christian Bale or Jared Leto or um, even Tom Hanks, in some respects, I don't believe anybody's ever done it as well as Daniel Day-Lewis has. And it's it's a shame that he's gone. But you know, with his years of service and just trying to show us the joy and the the art of filmmaking and nobody in my opinion did it as good as he did so kudos to you sir do you
1: know why he's leaving because i it's not put out oh it's not because i heard that there's rumors that he's going he's leaving to become a dressmaker
0: Oh, I, I, I didn't hear that. Uh, I've heard speculation that it might have something to do with illness. Uh,
1: I you know, just Based on what I've read about this, which was primarily in the Telegraph, and I don't, I mean, it seemed pretty to make sense, someone who involves themselves so heavily in a role. The character he's playing in the upcoming film is a dressmaker who's commissioned to design uh, clothes for high society and royal family. And I think mm-hmm. he just got so enamored with that world. And I mean, it's not unprecedented. As you mentioned, he is a shoemaker. He decided that he's going to retire, as you said, quote, from working as an actor uh, to pursue his newfound passion of dressmaking, uh, high fashion haute couture dressmaking. But I do also want to add a little addendum to our entire conversation here and say that he is retiring as an actor which leaves the door open to direct or write or produce or executive produce Mm -hmm. if should he want to he doesn't seem to be that type of person but they definitely phrased it in a way where if he comes back and is like i'm a director now people are like well i mean you got us we didn't think you would do that but you know (laughs) you didn't say you wouldn't kind of thing
0: yeah i mean the guy is 60 years old yeah so and trying to involve himself in roles the way that he does getting older that's not going to be very good for his health Mm -hmm. so i think it would make sense for you know health reasons to be the reason why he's stepping away from acting or maybe preventative
1: reasons for health reasons
0: yeah maybe uh obviously we we don't know and it doesn't matter uh just what we we have what we have and all we have to say really just given the work that he's given us over the last few years, is just to sort of salute him. Thank you for all his work. Mm-hmm. And You know, it, it's sort of unfortunate because a lot of people are like, you know, what's uh, what's one actor that you like to see in a comic book movie or something like that? Obviously, a lot of people want to say some of the greatest actors, people like Daniel Day-Lewis, and he never got to do that. But, oh, well.
1: I don't think it's, it would be his thing. I don't think it's his Yeah,
0: it's sort of... Be, it's sort of be like asking Quentin Tarantino to do an Ant-Man movie. <laughs> it just it feels so out of place, yeah, you know? Yeah. Anyways, um, yeah, I think that'll do it for us, ladies and gentlemen. I, I promise you we'll have a lot more positive stuff to talk yeah. about uh, next week. There's a lot of, uh, even just today while we're recording this, there's, lo- there's a lot of positive uh, stuff that has been coming out um, like, especially the reactions that have been coming out in respect to Spider-Man Homecoming. I can't wait to see that movie. I mm-hmm. can't wait to talk about it in the next couple of weeks, especially right before I leave to go see my girlfriend in Austria. So, yes. anyways, to wrap things up, Thanks so much for joining us. If you like this episode, make sure to leave a like. If you want to discuss this episode further, please leave your comments in the comments below if you're watching this on YouTube. If you're watching it elsewhere, uh, Sam, do you want to tell people where they can find us aside from YouTube yeah. or find us on social media? Sure.
1: If you're listening to us On YouTube, you can find us here. You can also find us on iTunes or SoundCloud if you'd like to listen on the go, just at Take It to the Max Movie Podcast. If you're looking for just little old me, you can find me here on YouTube, just Sam Antics. I'm also on instagram and twitter sammy s-a-m-i-e-i-m and yeah let us know in the comments below if you agree with max's rage if you don't agree with max's rage (laughs) if you have any comments if you're going to miss daniel day lewis or you think the world is better off without his acting abilities we want to hear all the good and all the bad down there in the comments let us know (laughs)
0: <laughs> the world is. Big. I love <laughs> how you put that. That was great. That, that put a smile on my face. That's a great way to end this podcast. But, anyways, if you want to find me on all the various forms of social media, just find me at Max Darrett and that'll do it until next week. Thanks so much, Sam, for joining me. As always, this is, this was fun in a in a very perverse yeah. way. Even though we were discussing a lot of bad it's news, but right. I promise you, I promise you, more good news will come out next week, and we will be here to talk about it. We hope to see you guys then. Have a lovely week.
1: Bye.